Welcome to Pound the Rock, the Scores NBA podcast. My name is Joseph Cacharo, and I'm joined in the Scores studios, as always, by co-host Joe Wolfon. Hey. Obviously, the most somber um, episode I hope that we'll ever have to do. The basketball world and the world at large, really, still coming to grips with, honestly, like, maybe the most shocking celebrity death I can remember. Um, Kobe Bryant, 41 years old, died in a helicopter crash. Uh, that claimed the lives of nine people in total, including his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna. I mean, there's not really much to say in terms of describing how big of a tragedy it is on a human level. Um, You know, he was a father, a husband, a son, a friend, I'm sure, and Gianna was just 13 and and was playing basketball. And there's seven other people on that flight as well that, you know, the world might not know who they are and might not know their names, but they definitely had loved ones and people that are going to have to cope with that too. So... Um, you know, all that said, really the only thing we can do today is talk about Kobe Bryant um, the way we knew him as the basketball player, the icon. Off the court, we can go in a million different directions. So, yeah, I mean, um, how are you feeling today, Joe? I think that's a valuable and valid question that we should all be asking ourselves. Uh, weird. It's been weird. It's been tough. Uh, it's just... it's It's surreal, honestly, because... Kobe was so just omnipresent and like how recently was it that we saw that video of him and Gianna courtside at I think it was a Nets Hawks game just like having an intense conversation about basketball and it was like two weeks ago maybe maybe a few it was and like literally hours before he gets on that helicopter LeBron eclipses his career scoring total and delivers like a five minute long soliloquy about how much that milestone meant to him it's just without knowing Kobe Bryant on a personal level I mean this is the weird thing always I guess about celebrity deaths is that even you know not having a personal relationship with that person they still feel like somebody that you know and they're still a big part of your life and I think we as people who deeply care about the NBA and cover it for a living, I mean, Kobe Bryant has been a big part of our lives in an indirect way. And it's just strange to think about him not being a part of the world anymore. And also, I mean, this is a cliche, but it really does make you think about how fragile all of this shit is and how for anybody at any time, it can be gone in the blink of an eye. And... I mean, his daughter being on that helicopter with him and a teammate of hers and, like you said, you know, six other people. Uh, it's That was like the real gut punch, I think. Uh, and you think about what you lose when you lose a life and for somebody to be that young and to have had so much life to live, uh, it's, it's tough to think about for sure. I mean, for them that lost their lives, obviously, but, you know, their families and... Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like thinking about all of that and having all that swirling around in my head. Yeah, no, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it reminds you of like the fragility of it all, right? And I think other than losing loved ones, when a public figure dies, a celebrity, wh- whatever the case may be, I think that other than losing a loved one is when you really get that kind of point driven home about how fragile life is, right? And um, and then like you said too, because he was kind of omnipresent, like this isn't a guy that was fading. After retirement, he 
became a best-selling children's author since retirement. He won a freaking Oscar post-retirement. Um, he was all over the NBA. He was doing that ESPN detail series on players. He, as you mentioned, was courtside, not just at Lakers games. Like You mentioned the Nets-Hawks games where that viral moment of him and Gianna was like a beautiful moment. And uh, a lot of people were pointing out too, even when he was talking to her and she kind of had, she, she made that face uh, when they got into like she a pursed her conversation. Lips. Yeah, where she like pursed her lips and kind of clenched her jaw. And it was like, holy shit, that's Mamba, man. Um, so there was that. LeBron passing him on Saturday. Just last week on CNN, he was talking about, he's the one that made the comments about how he thinks there's women that could probably play in the NBA. Like, yeah. Not only that, across sports too. Like I, I've been watching the Australian Open the last week, and it must have been like three, four days ago. Novak Djokovic was was on there, uh, getting interviewed, talking about how Kobe had inspired him and and worked with him and given him advice and mentored him during his periods of struggle. And it's like you saw the outpouring of grief. I mean, Nick Kyrgios is on court wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey, weeping before the start of his match early this morning, and it's like. It's kind of crazy, like his reach and the number of people that he touched. And I mean, I'm sure you know we can get in at some point to the the, the flaws that he had as a person and um, what what made him you know a highly imperfect hero, I guess you could say. But I think it's indisputable that across disciplines, across sports, across the world, in so many different corners of the globe. He made a tremendous impact on just so many people. Yeah, and when when it does feel like he's got this omnipresence about him, you just he just kind of becomes part of the fabric of everything, right? And it's like you can say what you want, and it's a it's a valuable thing to keep in mind that yes, like when something like this happens, the first thought is like, man, cherish every moment, take nothing for granted, assume nothing, and yeah, like we should try to live like that as best as possible so that you don't take anything for granted. Having said that, you can't actually live that to the fullest. Like you can't, if you're used to having Kobe Bryant around, you know, if you're his family, like you, it's human to just assume the people that you love are going to be in your future. You know, no, no way of life can prepare you for losing that person and the tragedy that comes with it. And as a, yeah, as a basketball fan, which obviously is a lot less important than his family and loved ones, because he was so around, even in retirement, it just kind of felt, it's like, yeah, Kobe's going to be around forever, you know? Like, as long as I'm alive watching the NBA, he'll be around in some capacity. When he's 80 years old, he'll be at, like, courtside, like, talking smack to some player that comes along. And then it's just, he's gone, you know? And it's, coming to grips with that is is uh, is tough. Yeah, and you, I, I think it's, it's easy enough to say cherish every moment, <laughs> like, live every day like it's your last, but nobody actually wants to live that way. Exactly. You don't want to live every moment thinking about the fact that it could all be gone any second. I think in a lot of ways, you know, what life is, is finding distractions from that knowledge that we're all going to go sometime. And and I think, you know, to me, I guess that's, I don't know if irony is the right word, but like basketball is my favorite distraction, you know, and, um, and Kobe Bryant was a huge part of, of that distraction for most of his life. And, um, and so for, yeah, I mean, for, for this to have happened to him when it did, uh, it just, I don't, you know, I don't think anybody was remotely prepared for it, obviously. Yeah. And, could you? Uh, so, so here we are. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned too, the, um, the imperfection and the flaws that 
we can maybe get into. The one thing I'll say about that is that if you're if you're telling someone's life story and they had what happened and Kobe's happened, I think you're doing a disservice to everyone by not talking about it, by glossing it over, by trying to, you know, wash it away. And so mm -hmm. you can't hide from the fact that, yeah, in 2003, he was accused of and charged with sexual assault. And then, so the criminal case was eventually dropped and he settled it in a civil case. You can't wash that away. That is part of his legacy, unfortunately. What I think you can do is I think you can acknowledge and you have to acknowledge that Kobe Bryant was a flawed human who made mistakes mm -hmm. and potentially abhorrent ones. And you can acknowledge that, as you should, and also acknowledge that it seemed that in the decade and a half plus since then, he grew as a human being by all accounts, especially in these, you know, the last stages of his life, had become a pretty good man, uh, a good father, and a good, like, pure-hearted man, even if you read some of the accounts. Like, I retweeted. I remember a few months ago, or a couple months ago, it went viral that he had stopped at the scene of some accident and, like... <laughs> directed um, traffic. Directed traffic. Apparently, like, sat with some of the kids that were involved and was, like, just being a good person. Well, someone, and this is the story I retweeted, someone posted about how that wasn't the first time that happened, that, like, a couple years ago, Kobe had done the same for this person who had been in an accident. And then when you would see this person in town would actually like kind of keep in touch with them and check in on how they were doing. And so again, like I think there are some people that seem to be too invested in Kobe without knowing him that's, you know, see it as like, well, we should never talk about that. Like he's dead now, let it rest in peace. And there's people on the other side that think because of the mistakes that he made that we shouldn't mourn him at all. And I think both are wrong. I think, um, you know, tragedy doesn't mask flaws, but flaws also, you know, don't mask tragedy. There should always be room for empathy and sensitivity all around. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand that there are a lot of people who want to just grieve and also celebrate Kobe Bryant right now without having to be reminded of this ugly incident from his past. For one thing, though, I, I just think it's important to consider how a survivor of sexual abuse might feel Absolutely. seeing, you know, somebody who is an alleged perpetrator of sexual abuse be celebrated unconditionally, you know, without a reckoning of the hurt that he caused. And, you know, you talked about the, the charges against him being dropped. But they were dropped after, you know, the the alleged victim refused to testify right. after she had been publicly smeared right. by, by Kobe's legal team. And, and was, as I mentioned, a, there was a civic settlement, right? Yeah. So. And, you know, so that's part of it. And I, I just think like being sensitive to that is always an important thing to keep in mind. And also, I, you know, I thought you made a good point when you said like, it doesn't do anybody any good to whitewash, you know, the ugly truths about the people that we care about. And I think, like, that's true of Kobe also, right? Like, this... Somebody who wants to say, you know, now is not the time because he just passed away. Like, what, what, what is the right time? Like, are we going to revisit this in a month or in a year? I think, you know, when somebody dies, that is when we... When we sort of reflect and take the measure of the life that they lived. And this was a huge seminal incident and moment in Kobe Bryant's life and I think undeniably it changed him and it was still changing him probably 
in ways that he was still reckoning with, I think. And I, I'm not, like, I don't doubt the sincerity of his efforts later in life to really advocate for and amplify women's basketball and devote so much of his time to his wife and his daughters and commit to, you know, really being like a dad and a family man. I, I don't, I'm not at all saying that like he was doing that because he was trying to atone for something, but I do think just on some level he recognized that he did have things to make amends for. And I think he was trying to do that. I think he, I mean, you know, one of the great tragedies of this is that that process won't get to continue, you know, and, and his story and his progress is just over now. And, um, for both him and his daughter, it's just, I mean, that's a really difficult thing I think to deal with. You have any, uh, personal like fandom moments that you remember with Kobe or like, how'd you grow up watching, loving, hating him? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I was never a big Kobe guy. Um, it just like, I could appreciate the craft and I guess to me, I felt like, I guess you could say he was one of the players that I loved to hate. Like, he made a great heel. You know what I mean? And, and he knew it. He embraced it. He did. And, and I mean, a lot of that stemmed from the stuff that came out of Colorado, which is a whole other can of worms that we don't have to open right now. But uh, he put on the black hat, and he wore it well. And I just... I've never been so compelled by the, like perfectionist, maniacally competitive, you know, borderline sociopathic win at all cost athlete. Like I've always, and this is just me and I, you know, I'm not denigrating that in any way, shape or form just for me. Like I've always been more interested in the talented, but flawed players who are still sort of figuring themselves out as they go along. You know, not that Kobe wasn't, but I just, like, the way that he approached the game, I couldn't relate to that at all because it didn't speak to me on a personal level. But just as a fan of his and watching, I mean, like, his most incredible moments, I, I still have vivid memories of watching the 81 points that he hung on the Raptors. As do I, I. I was in my first year of university in, like, my friend's dorm room watching on a tiny TV screen stress eating saltine crackers as he was just like piling up point after point after point and it was people forget too like the raptors a bad raptors team was they were up 15 at halftime mike james was absolutely on one and that was it it, that was just like the single most transcendent individual performance that i've ever seen um the season after that when he had that run of i want to say like five straight 50 50 point point games and i think that streak eventually was like nine straight 40 plus point games and it just seemed like he was he was in this zone that like i don't know he just like couldn't miss shots the shots that he were hitting he was hitting were like insane turnaround fadeaways with hands in his face i mean even even as somebody who wasn't a fan of his game and like the individualism sometimes that he projected uh, as a person and a player he was still a delight to watch you know like his footwork was probably the best that the league has ever seen like he his, obviously could shoot and like had a you know buttery fadeaway, but he also had a post game. I was and about like to could, say Kobe's post game was one of the most satisfying things to watch in the NBA. He was balletic. He was he was he was a really graceful player, and I think if you kind of 
take stock of the the reverence that players around the league have for him. I mean, I think a lot of that is is his attitude and his m- mentality and how hard he worked. But I think a lot of it too is just the aesthetic quality of his game. I, I feel like that engendered so much admiration and respect, like the beauty of how he played. And I, I don't know if there is any player who you'll hear talked about more as as an inspiration and an idol stylistically uh, and in terms of, of attitude and approach to basketball. And um, I mean, that's in a way that tells you all you need to know, right? Like, I think we all have... Um, our personal feelings about Kobe Bryant that we bring to bear on this incredible tragedy. But I think yesterday when you were seeing the reaction in every arena in which games were being played after this happened and you were hearing players and coaches talk about Kobe's influence on them, it almost just made personal feelings feel beside the point. Uh, Like... The point was, like, you saw in his peers how much of an impact he had made. I mean, you see Joel Embiid talking about how Kobe inspired him to pick up a basketball in the first place. And, you know, we've talked in the past about just like, the sort of global reach of the NBA these days, and I feel like Kobe really has a lot to do with that. Like, Massive he is, you know, easily one of, if not the most popular NBA players internationally. And, and so a lot of that um, is a credit to him as well. You cannot overstate the magnitude of his icon status within the league and among his peers and among his uh, this younger generation. Everything about Kobe, the, the fadeaways, um, the post moves, that relentless competitiveness, the brashness, the clutch gene, whether you, you know, believe in it, it, or, believe not. it or not, all of that, the Mamba mentality, the aura around him, all of that to players today, to a younger generation of players was and is gospel. They worship this guy. And the league the league will never be the same. And I don't mean that like, you know, aesthetically or quality-wise, the league will never be the same because Kobe Bryant said no. The league but the league will never be the same. And you can ask anyone in the league and they will tell you the truth. There there really is this like gaping hole the NBA can never fill. Say it however you want to say it. They're like Losing Kobe Bryant, he's irreplaceable no matter what you thought of him. And the league will literally never be the same without him. And I think that is such a big part of it, right? And you're watching these reactions um, from players and coaches and fans and people outside Staples Center, like, genuinely hurting. And yeah, like, the, the you know, it's made me wonder, like, man, how long is it going to take to watch the NBA and feel normal again? You know, we, we haven't watched the NBA with Kobe Bryant in it in four years. And yet watching it, knowing he's no longer here, just feels so different. Like even yesterday, and I understand it was raw and it just happened, but I think it's going to take a long time, understandably, mm-hmm. for it to feel normal again in the NBA because this guy was just an integral part of the fabric. And that's the thing, like he wasn't technically in the NBA, but he was still in the NBA. Yeah. You he know? practically still was the NBA, you know, in, in a lot of people's eyes. Well, it's just, you know, his fingerprints are everywhere. And, and if you think about, you know, the, the fact that he has kind of mentored younger players and taken them under his wing and he hosts that camp every summer that NBAers of all stripes attend. And um, just the relationships that he had to players who are, you know, still active in the league and are going to be for a really long time. Um, 
you know, I think that right there is what makes all of this just like so shocking and incomprehensible. Like he was so deeply embedded in the fabric of, of the league and the fabric of basketball everywhere. And I think, I, I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take for it to feel normal or if it ever will. I don't know. It's funny. Like you think about even just like the kind of casual gifts and memes that get thrown around with Kobe in them and the highlights that he's a part of and just like the iconic moments in NBA history. The video that, of him yelling at uh, Mitch Kupchak to get him some real teammate. Remember? Because they weren't yeah, practicing they, hard they, enough. They were soft as Charmin. Yeah. You know, like the, the um, image of him jumping up on the scorer's table when he won his fifth title in LA in game seven over the Celtics. Like that, that shot that he hit over Phoenix in the, I think the 2006 playoff. Yeah. It's just like, there's just so much iconography yeah. and like he has been a part of, of so many, um, you know, legendary feats and moments. And it's impossible obviously to tell the story of the NBA without him. He is, I mean, it's crazy. Like him and David Stern, you know, in the last, yeah, in the last three weeks or so, it's like you, we've lost what two of the most, like the 10 most influential figures maybe in NBA in history. modern basketball history. Like I think 10 is even stretching it, you know, yeah. two of the three, two of the four, two of the five at the most. They shaped the game, man. I was asking you about personal feelings. On a personal level, I definitely had a love-hate relationship as a basketball fan, as a young one growing up. You know, as a Raptors fan growing up, I hated Kobe for what he perennially did to the Raptors, mm-hmm. most notably that 81-point game. And yeah, there were elements of his game that I wasn't the biggest fan of and more so than I ever had any I shouldn't call it a love-hate relationship because it was more the hate was more with like the Kobe stands you know that I always used to argue with on the playground or whatever and because I never really got along with like the rings and buckets people having said that the relentless competitiveness that maniacal kind of sociopathic competitiveness that you know you mentioned you maybe didn't relate to I really did like growing up and the the way I played sports and the way, and I know it's not for everyone and everyone is different, man, I cherished Kobe for that. Mm-hmm. I got a kick out of it. Like such a kick out of watching the way he competed. I don't, I, also, I don't mean to say that I'm not competitive. Like, no, I, no, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I think, cause I think you can be competitive without talking about being competitive and being, yeah, I just could never imagine having that sort of single minded right. purpose and drive. Yeah. Life. And that's what I'm saying. I think, competitors are different mm-hmm. i don't think that necessarily means anyone's less competitive or more competitive just everyone's different but i really did enjoy that aspect of him so much and then also as a kid i always thought it was cool that this guy was born in philly to a an nba father and a pro basketball father also spent his formative years in italy and spoke italian like for real man as a young italian canadian basketball fan growing up like that was incredible to me yeah. that kobe would do press conferences in italian sometimes and often talk about how much he loved his years in italy um and how growing up in europe even shaped his game and like the fundamentals and the technical skills uh he was an hc milan fan which is the soccer team i support so like that was always cool there was always these elements where i'd be like man like there's certain things I hate about his game, whatever, but God damn it, I love Kobe. Like, you remember that Rihanna Neo song, Hate That I Love You? Do you remember that song? Like, that's kind of how I felt about Kobe when I yeah. was a kid. Cause I would I, be more like, I love that I hate you. But. Nice, <laughs> nice. And then uh, four years ago, and his retirement tour, his last season, I think it was his second season I had credentials. And when you, instead of doing a regular post-game scrum, I'm pretty sure in every arena he went to for the last time, they did like a full-on press conference. And when he came to Toronto... A, he gave me a good um, anecdote about like growing up in Italy when I asked, but I also asked him about 
what he thought on the court made him so polarizing and why like people loved him or hated him, but there could be no indifference. And he laughed, and before he answered, he said he needed his filter to kick in first because I think what he wanted to say, based on the answer he ended up giving me, was that the reason like people either loved me or hated me is because I didn't give an F what they... like. I feel like he wanted to say something along those lines, and he said he wanted to put the filter on before... And, and then I said, no, no, like it's better without the filter. And he laughed. And at the time it was like, for me, it was surreal. Cause it was like, Oh, Kobe Bryant just laughed at something. Even though I didn't say anything funny. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking about that at the time. Like if you're Kobe Bryant, that was just some random laugh. You gave some random young reporter in one of the 29 arenas you're going to. But like for me, that was everything. And I thought about that a lot in the years since about how cool that moment was. And then I obviously thought about it yesterday. Um, as like friends and even a couple of family members like texted me about it and like, do you remember this? And I don't know, I feel like everyone, whether you got a chance to talk to them, whether you watched them, whether you're even in NBA media or not, or you're just a basketball fan, whatever the case may be, I feel like everyone has, you know, you mentioned even just watching his 81 point game and you remember the saltines. Like everyone has one of those moments with Kobe if you're a basketball fan, you have to. Yeah, and we should also probably mention his his finale oh my god like probably maybe the single greatest like final game given the fact that jordan came back with the wizards uh like just not only the performance itself but how perfectly i felt like it encapsulated him and his career i mean putting up 50 shots and toward the end of that game like he knew that the refs weren't going to call shit and i think it was gordon hayward who was guarding him and he was just like pushing off like yeah. throwing Hayward around like a rag doll like yeah. getting open for those shots at the end of the Cheating game Gordon Hayward the way MJ treated <laughs> Byron Russell yeah but like 10 times worse and yeah winds up putting up 50 shots and 60 points in his last game were you here win. that night with us in the war room I was watching at home okay yeah so I think it was me Will Lou and I can't remember maybe John Chick yeah it was the same night the Warriors got their 73rd yeah. win it was a crazy yeah. crazy night but it was just like that was a perfect distillation of Kobe and and like the perfect note for him to go out on. I thought Mamba out. Mamba, oh yeah, that was, man. Whether it's later this week or next week, obviously the next time we come back for Pound the Rock, we'll try to make it a lot more like a normal episode, and we'll try to bounce around the league and and whatever the hot topics were, and we'll have music again and and try to make it a little more normal. But I think we were both in agreement that for this one, you know, the only thing that mattered was kind of. Talking about Kobe and, and his legacy and everything that went into that. So for Joe Wolfon, I'm just Rashad. Pound the rock.